am I on? And there I am, all right. If you have your copy of God's Word, I hope and pray that you do. Turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is a parallel psalm to Psalm 51, and we'll get into the kind of the context of it here in just a minute. Uh, I'm looking forward to just understanding what God's Word says about forgiveness of sin. And I pray that you would listen carefully to the Holy Spirit speak through His Word uh, this morning. If you're physically able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, David writes these words, How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege you've given us again today on this occasion to gather uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to sing your praises, to fellowship and encourage one another, and Heavenly Father, for the opportunity you've given us to study your word again today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. Please don't allow us to leave here not having heard from you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much. Have a seat. There are many burdens in life that seem to consume all of our strength. For example, the burden of sickness, the burden of disease, the, the burden of finances, the burden of death, the burden of relational heartache, interpersonal heartache, and so forth, different things like that. I would argue uh, from Scripture that no burden is heavier than the burden of guilt and shame resulting from sin. And perhaps no person has ever carried a heavier burden of guilt than King David. Uh, you're familiar with his story. Let me just share with you part of it, bits and pieces of it. Of all of the men and women who have ever lived, only God said of David, he is a man after my own heart. Consider that for just a moment that the God of the universe would say of David, here is a man after my own heart. David was a valiant warrior. He was a gifted musician. He was an incredible songwriter. Uh, David was wise. David was, a, was an ex excellent leader and strategist and visionary and so forth. He was all of those things, but he is also the same man that committed unspeakably vile and callous acts of sin. Let me, let me just remind you of what we read in 2 Samuel 11. While the army was off at war, David was home. And while he was home, David began to lust after his neighbor, a woman by the name of Bathsheba. And then he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then in an effort to cover up that adultery, that sin, he had her husband Uriah murdered who was serving on the front lines of his army. 
And David spent some time in the depths and depravity of guilt and shame as a result. David sinned against Bathsheba, he sinned against Uriah, but most importantly, he sinned against the Lord. And the same is true for you and me today. Uh, we sin against the Lord. The, 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 the weight of David's guilt was enormous. And this weight, this burden could only be removed by God's grace and God's mercy offered through forgiveness. Perhaps you are here today and you're living under an incredible weight, an incredible burden of guilt and shame because of sin. Maybe you're here today and you're in the middle of it. You're living in it right now. Or maybe it was from many years ago, but you've never dealt with it biblically. My prayer for you is that as we study these truths from Psalm 32, you would allow the grace and the mercy of God to overwhelm you in forgiveness and leave here not burdened by guilt, but blessed by the Lord. That's my prayer for you today. And so let's dive into this, all right? We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. If you're following along there in your notes, uh, the first point I want you to see from verses 1 and 2 is this, the blessing of forgiveness. The blessing of forgiveness. Notice what David writes here, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. Now, your English translation may read blessed or fortunate or happy. The, in, the literal, in, in the original Hebrew, the literal definition is, little, is how very happy. The word implies the overwhelming favor of God. And so David begins this psalm with the celebration of the happiness of the blessed man, of the joy that the individual lives under, knowing he is forgiven of sin. Isn't it quite interesting that David doesn't say, blessed is the man whom God has given stuff to, but instead, blessed is the man whom God has forgiven and God's greatest blessings are always spiritual in nature. Sure, he may bless us materially and financially in other ways, but they pale in comparison to the spiritual blessings that God lavishly pours out on his children. Psalm 32 reminds us, verses 1 and 2 reminds us that the forgiveness of sin is the foundation of God's blessings. That, that, that's where it begins. That's where it flows from. Look with me here in your notes as you're following along. I want you to see this. God's forgiveness of sin or God's justifying grace is the foundation from which all his other blessings flow. I hope you know and understand this morning that we all need and we should all want God's forgiveness. Amen. Every one of us need forgiveness of sin. Now, David does something very interesting here. He uses three words for this idea of sin. He uses the word transgression, the word sin, and the word iniquity. And there are three different words in the original language, each having a little different meaning. But he does so to emphasize just this big picture idea of what it means to sin. Let me just share that with you. Transgression is a word that means to step over a known boundary. It refers to a clear defiance of God's authority, a tearing away or a pulling away from God's authority. In other words, a transgression is when you and I know there is a boundary there, 
We know that there is a line there, and we cross it anyway. That's a transgression. The word sin means an offense against God's moral standard, a deviation from that which is well-pleasing to God. It's an old archery term that literally means to miss the mark or to miss the target of God's standard. The word iniquity is slightly different than transgression and sin. It refers to a perversion of what is right, a twisting of something that is straight and true, a distortion of what is right. For example, you and I are living in a culture in a day and age where we have, we, we have done this very thing in a number of ways. For example, how we define marriage. We have distorted, we have twisted that which is true and right. How we define human sexuality and gender identity, just to name a few. We have twisted and distorted that which is true and right. Why have we done that? To appease our own flesh, to appease, to appease our own desires. And so we twist those things. The Hebrews refer to that as iniquity. Now in each case, transgression, sin, and iniquity, the thought is the same. It means to, to fail to live up to a standard. Listen to me, church. There is a boundary. There is a target. There is something that is straight and true, and that something is the standard of God. Look with me here in your notes. I want to make sure you understand this in its, in its entirety here. Sin steps over God's boundary. That is transgression. Misses God's target. That is the word sin. And twists what is straight and true. And that is the language we see in verses 1 and 2. Interestingly, not only does David give us three different words to point us to the same concept of to violate, to break God's standards, he also uses three different words uh, to refer to this idea of forgiveness. He uses the first word there in verse 1, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven. That word forgiven means to lift up, to take away, to pardon. And then he says in the latter half of verse 1, whose sin is covered, that word covered means to conceal, to keep hidden. The idea is this, that it becomes invisible to God as though it had never taken place. And then in verse 2, he uses this phrase, does not charge with iniquity. In other words, does not credit, does not impute to the record. In other words, there's nothing written, there's no re written record of the sin. Now, I want to let Scripture just elaborate on this for us. I want to let Scripture teach us this truth. And so, let's look at a few passages of Scripture together. Look with me first at Psalm 103, beginning in verse 11. Listen to what the Bible says. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His faithful love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. In other words, it's an immeasurable distance. <laughs> we can't calculate it. We can't put it into numbers how great and how far he has removed our sin from us. Look with me next, Isaiah 43 and verse 25. The Lord is speaking. Look, look, listen to what he says. I, I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Amen. Jeremiah 31, verse 34, very similar. Listen to what the Lord says again. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Amen. 
Now, that'll make us scratch our heads for a moment. Woman, Think about this. We have an, an almighty, all-knowing God who never has to learn anything and, and who can't forget anything, and yet, in forgiveness, he remembers our sins no more. Think about that for just a moment. David is in heaven today, and he is worshiping at the feet of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? There is no record in heaven of his sin with Bathsheba. Isn't that fascinating? Micah 7, verse 19, look with me. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. Watch this. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And listen, we won't fish those sins out. <laughs> They're gone forever. Again, look with me at your notes here. As we look at this language David has used, God had lifted the burden of David's sin and carried it away. God had covered David's sin from his view. God had erased the writing of the indictment against David because of his sin. There's no record of it. That's the idea of forgiveness. And church, listen carefully. What God did in David's life, God wants to do and God can do in your life and my life. The very same thing. David wasn't, it wasn't because David was special. No. And we're going to see this whole process kind of work itself out, right? So we see the blessing of forgiveness. Look with me in verses 3 and 4. I want you to see the burden of sin. Look what David says to us. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. David says, when I kept silent. There was a period of time, the duration of which we don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. Was it a week? Was it a month? Was it a year? We don't know the length of time. But there was a period of time where David chose not to deal with his sin. Instead, he chose to live in his sin. And as much joy and happiness that he's experiencing in verses 1 and 2, uh, having been forgiven of sin, he experienced that same kind of agony and that same kind of despair while he was in sin, while he, he was living in that sin. And David reminds us of the physical and the emotional and the spiritual consequences that result from sin. When you and I have unconfessed sin in our life, listen, it affects us physically and emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. And I would dare say, if we were willing, we could all give testimony to that very truth. Look at what David says. He, he speaks of a premature aging of his bones. His bones became brittle. He speaks of constant groaning. He reminds us of this feeling of heaviness, the weight, the sense of being spiritually empty, and alone, the sense of being far from God. All these things are very real, in, not only in his life, but that they're real in my life and your life when we have unconfessed sin. And church, listen carefully. Are you ready for this? When God created us in his image and his likeness, he never intended for us to carry the burden of sin and guilt. He didn't create our minds, he didn't create our hearts, and he didn't create our bodies to carry the burden of sin and guilt. We're not made for that. 
Listen, what did Jesus say in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30? Listen carefully. He says, come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is like perhaps you're here today and your soul is, is, is at a place of unrest. You're like David here. Listen, come to Jesus. Come to him and find rest for your weary and burdened soul. He's waiting. He's waiting. Look with me here in your notes. I want you to understand this truth. We cannot escape the burden of unconfessed sin. It will haunt us until we deal with it. Listen, you can't sweep it under the rug. You can't vacuum it up. You, you, there's no way to get rid of it until we deal with it biblically. Look what David said in Psalm 51 and verse 3. Again, a parallel psalm where he acknowledged his sin with Bathsheba, confessed and repented of it. Look what he says here. For I am conscious of my rebellion. Look at this. And my sin is always before me. In other words, it doesn't go away. We'd like for it to go away, wouldn't we? We'd like for it to just to disappear. We'd like for it to, to take care of itself, but, but, but it won't. And so we see the burden of sin. Look with me at verse 5. I want you to see the relief, though, of repentance, the relief of repentance. David says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Those words acknowledged and confess mean, means to recognize, to reveal, to admit. David had resolved in his heart to admit his sin to God and to turn from his sin. And that's what confession is. Confession is an admittance of our sin, and repentance is a turning away from our sin. It's a walking away from it. Now, you need to let's be reminded of something. Listen, this wasn't necessarily easy for David, okay? Like it's not easy for us either. God had to use a man by the name of Nathan to kind of prod David along in this. Listen, just like me and you, David was a proud man. Just like us, this idea of saying sorry, of admitting we're wrong is hard to do, isn't it? And God used Nathan to come along and to bring David to a place of brokenness and humility. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And because of Nathan's influence in his life, David came to a place of brokenness and humility. Let, let me remind all of us, myself included, we need to thank God for the Nathans in our life. Those individuals in our sphere of influence that, that work, that hold us accountable, that, that don't allow us, that, 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 that don't want us to walk in sin. When we talk about confession of sin, what, what does it mean? What does it mean to confess our sins? It means to agree with God about them. It means to agree that we have stepped over God's boundary, that we've twisted God's truth, that we've missed God's mark of holiness and righteousness. And we agree with God about that. You see, there was a time when David and God were on opposite sides of the fence. God was over here condemning David's sin. David was over here doing everything he could to justify it and rationalize it. 
But by God's grace, there was a time where David realized, you know what, I'm wrong here. <laughs> Lord, I, I need to admit my sin, and I want to repent of my sin. And when David finally came to that point, when he finally stopped fighting against God, we see in verse 5, then... I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not conceal my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I want you to look with me at Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 7 through 9. And as we read this together, I want you just to pay attention to the language and, and just let the intensity of the language jump off the page for you. Listen to the brokenness. Listen to the heartache. Listen to the humility in David's heart as he's pleading for God's forgiveness. L look what he says here. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. And you just see in the language a man who's broken. A man who is exhausted from, from not dealing with his sin. A man who is humble before the Lord, wanting forgiveness, wanting to be cleansed of his sin, wanting to be made pure. Look with me here in your notes. David moved from the heavy burden of sin. Remember, the sin that caused his bones to become brittle, and he groaned all day long, and he was separated from the Lord. David moved from the heavy burden of sin to the blessing of God through confession and repentance. And the same can be true of you and me today. But look at verse 5. I, I love this. Notice what he says there. And... I acknowledge my sin to you. I confess my transgressions to the Lord. And look what he says. You forgave the guilt of my sin. You lifted it up. You carried it away. You pardoned my sin. Again, I want to allow Scripture just to, to elaborate on this for us. Look at Proverbs 28 and verse 13. The one who conceals his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. That's a conditional statement. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Look with me in your notes here, the last fill in the blank today. When we acknowledge our sin to God and repent of our sin, God is faithful to forgive us our sin. And guess what? There is no sin we can commit that God can't or won't forgive. None. The only unpardonable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and that is a rejection of Christ. 
There's nothing in your life, past, present, or future, that God can't and doesn't want to forgive. But that begs this question. Why is this principle of forgiveness so important? Why does it matter if we experience forgiveness? Well, let me just remind you of a few truths. Number one, we need to remember that all of us are guilty of sin. Every one of us in this room. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an issue that we all deal with. Number two, we need to never forget that it is our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin that causes friction between us and God. It's sin that causes enmity between man and God. In Isaiah 59 and verse 2, listen to what the, uh, the Lord said through the prophet, your iniquities are separating you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. It's been illustrated this way, that because of sin, there's this great chasm between man and God that man can't bridge, that we can't cross, that we can't solve. In Romans 5, 6 through 11, the Bible speaks to the individual who does not know Christ as Savior, and these are the adjectives that are used. Helpless, ungodly, sinners, enemies of God. Why is forgiveness important? Because it is sin that keeps us from God, and it's sin that as a child of God causes our relationship with Him not to be all that it can be. Then finally, we need to remember that forgiveness of sin is available exclusively and only through Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist is preaching a message of confession and repentance. And one day as he is ministering, he sees Jesus coming toward him, and John the Baptist makes this statement. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if you were a first century Jew, you knew exactly what John the Baptist was referencing. He was referencing the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur in the Hebrew. On that day, there were two lambs involved in the sacrifice one lamb would be slaughtered, and the high priest would carry its blood in, into the holy, holy of Holies and sprinkle that blood upon the mercy seat to serve as a covering for sin. But then they would also take some of that blood and cover the scapegoat, the second lamb, and they would send it far into the wilderness, symbolic of carrying away the sins of the people. And so on this occasion when John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, everyone in that audience knew exactly what he was saying. In 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7, listen carefully. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. Darkness in Scripture is a reference to sin. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And watch this, you ready? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Remember what David prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, cleanse me, wash me, make me pure. It's the same language. Ephesians 1, 7, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sin, according to the riches of his grace that he richly or lavishly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. 
And it gets even better. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we read this, that God made the one who did not know sin, that is Jesus Christ, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, why is forgiveness important? (laughs) Because in it we are clothed with the righteousness of God. God takes our sin charges it to Jesus' account, takes his righteousness, and charges it to our account. Some have tried to illustrate it this way. It's not the perfect illustration, but, but, it, but, it, but it helps. That in Christ, God no longer sees our sin, but he sees us through the lens of Christ, and he sees us as righteous and blameless. Think about that for just a moment. So, what do we do with these truths? What is the application? What, what, when we leave here today, what do we do with it? Perhaps you are here, and like David, you have a personal relationship with the Lord. But, also like David, you're holding on to some sin. Right now, you're in the middle of some sin. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Not necessarily adultery or murder, but some sin. And you're doing your very best to try to hide it. You're doing your very best to rationalize it and legitimize it and excuse it in some way. And you're here and you you need to confess that sin. You need to enjoy God's forgiveness like David did. Why not? Why not lay that burden down today? Why carry it a moment longer? Lay it at the foot of the cross. Come to Christ in confession, in repentance, and let him wash you white as snow. Maybe you're here today, and unlike David, you you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord, and your sins are forever separating you from the Lord, from knowing God. Why not come today and in faith say yes to Jesus? Why not unwrap God's gift of salvation where you can find forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Why not today begin a relationship with the Lord? That's why forgiveness is important. It's important for all of us, no matter where we are in life. We need forgiveness of sin. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this day you've chosen to give us. I want to thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I want to thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. And I want to thank you that it's according to your faithful love and your abundant compassion, that it has nothing to do with us. And Father God, I just ask and pray that if there's any sin in my life, Lord, show it to me. Lord God, I I want to know and understand and experience your forgiveness. Lord, I pray that for each of us here today. If there is a believer who is found himself or herself in the middle of sin and Lord I pray you grab hold of their heart right now and bring them to a place of brokenness and humility where they will confess and repent Father God if there's an unbeliever in this room today who's never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ I ask and pray that right now in this moment they would cry out to you for salvation that they would surrender in faith to you today that they would begin a life anew today in Christ. Father God, have your way in this place for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. I want to invite you.